0: From WBEZ Chicago and PRX, this is Sound Opinions. I'm Greg Cott. And I'm Jim DeRogatis. A
1: new year means new beginnings and a fresh chance to put your best foot forward. In that spirit, we'll highlight tracks that do the same thing from their very first notes.
0: Great starts in music. Plus, I share a song I can't live without. That's all coming up on Sound Opinions. You're listening to Sound Opinions. I'm Greg Cott here with my partner, Jim DeRogatis, and we're at the beginning of another new year, and speaking of good beginnings, new beginnings, we're going to talk about songs with great beginnings. You know, when you turn on the radio, Jim, uh, if you don't get caught in those first few seconds, a yeah. lot of people will just tune out right away. So we thought at the top of the new year, that's the perfect time to highlight some of our favorite great starts in music.
2: Coo-coo.
1: So, we're sharing a few of our favorite great starts in music. Greg, what is a great start? You know, specifically, it's a song that has a really distinctive appeal from the opening seconds Uh, a catchy guitar riff, a particularly strong hook, an unusual bit of sampling or studio trickery. Think you really got me by the kinks. And, by the way, we would be remiss if we didn't thank a Sound Opinions listener for suggesting this show idea. Here is what she had to say.
3: My name is Abby Ness, and I'm from Glenarden, Maryland. And I got the idea for a Great Starts episode while listening to Crazy on You by Heart. Um, it has that iconic guitar solo at the beginning of the song by Nancy Wilson. Um, that I've heard many times before, but this was the first time that I read on Wikipedia that she had actually titled that Silver Wheel almost as if it was a separate song in and of itself, which was surprising to me because I've, I've always thought of that intro as being integral to the rest of the song. Um, it kind of builds the suspense and intrigue that then resolves with that driving guitar part at the beginning of the Crazy on You part. seems pretty unique to start off a song that way with something that's so different and, and strikingly different from the rest of the song. There must be other great examples out there of ways that musicians have started their song creatively. So I was really curious to hear um, what you guys thought about what makes the start of a song great and um, some examples for that because I... The more that I've been thinking about this, the more I'm convinced that starting a song is almost like an art form unto itself, sort of like an icebreaker at a party. And it's always awkward, but (laughs) there are some really great examples out there that I'm looking forward to hearing from you. So thanks for um, all that you do, and I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts.
1: Wow. Abby Ness from Glen Arden, Maryland. Greg, I think we ought to just let her do the whole show. We'll take another week (laughs) off for the holidays. Uh, But you are up first. What great start do you want to kick off
0: with? Yeah, Abby's a tough act to follow, but uh, I'm going to go with my A game at the top here, Jim. Um, I think uh, Norman Whitfield, uh, the great Motown producer, wrote some of the greatest intros in music history and uh specifically I'm thinking of Papa Was a Rolling Stone. The song was uh written with Barrett Strong, Whitfield and Barrett Strong in 1972 and it was initially released as a single uh by a group called The Undisputed Truth. Uh and they did a fantastic version of this song. It's a great song about um, you know the uh, memories of a father who mm. was now dead and the children, you know, interrogating the mom, what was dad really like? You know, and the Undisputed Truth song was fine, but then Whitfield uh, arranged, rearranged the song for The Temptations, and that is the classic uh, that we all know and love, a Grammy Award-winning song in that year, and still one of the greatest tracks The Temptations ever recorded. One
1: of the greatest tracks ever, oh, period. Oh, absolutely.
0: And what he did for uh, The Temptations on their All Directions album in 1972 was stretch the song out. It, it turned into this, like, 12-minute mm. opus um, with a lengthy introduction. The introduction itself is is like a song you know a a completely separate song it's nearly four minutes in length and it really puts the focus not so much on the temptations a great vocal group no doubt but on the funk brothers that great motown rhythm section unfortunately uncredited on many of those motown albums but these guys were fantastic players the key to papa was a rolling stone was this uh, initial bass figure created by a bassist that uh, seems to be in some dispute as to who exactly it was, who was there in, in the, the, the Motown day, yeah. sessions that actually recorded this part. James Jamerson is the, is the bassist of largest note in, in the Motown stable. He's no longer around. He's dead now. But there were some people who said it was Jamerson who recorded the part. Uh, Bob Babbitt is generally given credit uh, for playing that part as well by some other scholars. And Babbitt himself is sort of vague on the memory. And then another bass player from those sessions, Eddie Watkins, jumps yeah. in and says, No, I, I was the guy to play that, that hey, part. It was just another Tuesday at Motown. You know? Exactly. But the point is, that bass figure is so important to this song, it sets the theme. You're basically in the middle of a movie as the song starts. And that's, I think, the key about this intro is that it creates a movie in your head. All these other instruments sort of offering colors around it. It's basically one chord vamped out for four amazing minutes. It sets the table for this great song by The Temptations. It's Papa Was a Rolling Stone from 1972 on Sound Opinions. <laughs> ¶¶
1: Papa was a rolling stone by the Temptations. Man, all right, you talk about hard acts to follow. Okay? Yeah, one of the greatest tunes of all time. I um, you know, I chose for my great starts uh, those starts that when I hear the song again might be like in a far distant speaker at the Jewel supermarket. Okay, uh, could be on somebody else's Spotify playing too loud on their headphones. It is then stuck in my head as an earworm throughout the rest of the day, right? I am perpetually stuck on start when I hear these great starts. And number one of all time on my list to the point where my beloved Carmel is going, why are you singing that riff again? Again? (laughs) Really, right? Rocks off by the Rolling Stones. The opening track, of the incredible 1972 double album, Exile on Main Street. Uh, We did a classic album dissection of it not too long ago. Uh, It's a beginning to end masterpiece, of course, The Stones' epic double album of decadence and depravity, recorded in the basement of a a villa in the south of France that was once a Gestapo headquarters. The Stones are self-destructing. The 70s are killing off the 60s myth of utopianism. It is just an amazing record and i don't i can't imagine at this point it starting any other way um you have that killer keith richards guitar riff and then you have jagger sort of yowling like a cat whose tail has been stepped on <laughs> Yow, right and it's the it's the ultimate moment encapsulating the now, what, six-decade collaboration between Mm. Jagger and Richards? What makes that band magical when it's at its best? That guitar that sounds really like no other and Jagger sounding like Jagger. And then, you know, how do you follow an opening lyrical couplet like this? I'm zipping through the days at lightning speed. Plug in, flush out, and fight, and blank and feed. You know, Greg, there are, you know, Proustian-sized novels that have not begun (laughs) with a sentence that great. Rocks off by the Rolling Stones on Sound Opinions. Off, I can only do it when I'm dreaming.
0: Greg, the Rolling Stones—that's that, an opening, right? It really is. And, you know that, thats one that hits you right between the eyes. Uh, I'm going to go in the opposite direction with this next intro. Um, there, there, there's several different ways you can introduce a, a person to a song, and one is that riff. Another is the long fade in. You know, mm-hmm. you you yeah. sort of you're building to something like what's coming up over that horizon. It's almost like you know you, the sun rising, or you know. A, uh, you know, the caravan coming o- across the plains, and, and there it is in front of your eyes. And uh, New Order w- were the masters of this in the early 80s. The band that uh, formed Out of the Ashes of Joy Division, uh, the great lead singer Ian Curtis uh, hanged himself, and New Order was born from that tragedy. Joy Division was starting to explore this union of electronic dance music and rock with the single Level Terrace Apart. and New Order took that to the next level in their career. Their song Ceremony, Temptation, and the one I'm gonna play developed that sound uh, for the clubs. And uh, the song Blue Monday was really the apex of that whole mm. approach. They took a lot of cues from what they were hearing in the New York dance scene at the time, Arthur Baker in particular, uh, these DJ producers who were, who were inventing this this new electronic sound that was taking over the clubs in New York. And they were bringing it to their native Manchester, combining it with, with the rock guitars. Bernard Sumner, the lead singer in the band, was really kind of a secret weapon in that he was uh, building his own synthesizers. So the synth bass line uh, on Blue Monday, really the key to the song, was on a homemade sequencer that, uh, that Sumner built. And, and uh, that was uh, threaded through the bass line on Peter Hook's bass so that you had this combination of this bottom end combined with that insistent DMX drum machine Mm -hmm. uh, that created one of the great club hits of all time with a great introductory uh, set of bars. New Order with Blue Monday from 1983 on Sound Opinions. That's New Order with Blue Monday, one of the great intros in rock. Jim, what do you got next? Greg, I'm going to play Hallelujah.
1: We've talked about this song by several different artists. You know, there's the Jeff Buckley version uh, that many people love. Rufus Wainwright did it. Dozens of artists. It was, of course, originally written by the great Leonard Cohen, uh, first released in 1984 on various positions, that album. Um, It was a sleeper. You know, yeah. this song almost killed Cohen. He he uh, uh, wrote 80 different <laughs> verses uh, for it and was working on it uh, for more than a decade. All right. And then John Cale, the incredible founder, co-founder of The Velvet Underground with Lou Reed, revitalizes it, gives it an entirely new life in 1991. So, you know, uh, years after Cohen uh, put it out. And it's his version, I think, that captivated everyone's imagination. So many other artists who then go on to decide and cover it themselves, put their own spin on it. But from the very beginning, with that incredible stately grand piano, which Cale uh, brings a somberness to, even Cohen praised him for that. It was different than the Cohen version. There's a somberness. And of course, John Cale's rich Welsh baritone. You know, he tells us right at the beginning of this long song i've heard that there's a secret chord that david played and it pleased the lord and then he turns it but you don't really care for music do you mm. wow mm. and so the entirety of this epic track then makes the argument that if you don't care for music the way that you and I and John Cale and Leonard Mm. Cohen do. You're not really alive. Even to the point where at one point later in the song, Cale uh, and Cohen give you the instructions for how to do it yourself. You know, they read out the chords, (laughs) you know, the fourth, the fifth, the minor lift. And, you Mm. know, it's like he's telling you, you you can do this, man. Mm. At least follow along with it. Hallelujah. The John Cale version from 1991 on Sound Opinions. (laughs) I've
4: heard there was a secret chord that David played and it pleased the Lord. But you don't really care for music, do you? It goes like this: the fourth, the fifth, the minor fall, the major lift, the baffled.
2: Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
0: That is Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah as interpreted by John Cale, one of the great beginnings uh, by Jim Dirigatis. We'll be back with more songs that put their best foot forward. That's in a minute on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX.
1: Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Jim DeRogatis. My partner is Greg Cott. And today we are talking about great starts in music. You know, particularly on the radio. Listeners often judge a new song by the very first few bars. So bands have only a couple of seconds to get it right.
0: That's true, Jim. And today we're sharing some of our favorite songs that start strong from the very first notes. And since it's the beginning of the new year, there's a bit of symbolism in there as well. Oh, yes. What do you got for us next? Jim, here's a song that uh, I just absolutely love. When people say, what are your favorite songs of the 2000s? You know, one of those rock-critic-y mm-hmm. type questions. <laughs>
1: this, this I don't song... know if you play that game, yeah. but I don't.
0: This song's in the top five for me. Um, it's the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs with Maps from uh, the 2003 Fever to Tell record, their debut album. What I love about this song is it's so unassuming when it begins, it's these three instruments that sound like they're coming from different songs. It starts out with Nick Zinner's guitar and it's very unassuming, this sort of um, episodic guitar Then Brian Chase enters with the drums, and he goes, okay, what song's he playing to? Uh, It doesn't sound Mm -hmm. like it goes with that guitar. And then Karen O's voice enters, and she pulls those separate threads together with a melody line and creates the song. Um, And suddenly you have this beautiful song of heartache and yearning. It's almost like a a magic act. Mm -hmm. How did they do that? How did they make those three things sound so beautiful together when it initially wouldn't have sounded like they belonged together at all? Um, you know. It's sort of an art punky thing. There's some jaggedness to it, some prickliness to it, in the way Zinner and Chase approach their instruments. But there's also a lot of soul in the way that Karen O sings this song. It was, uh, you know, it was about a real life romantic thing that she was going through. She was missing her boyfriend on the road, and if you ever watch the video, it'll choke you up because she's losing it on that video, because apparently her boyfriend <laughs> blew her off that day. Oh. Like, I'm not coming to this video shoot. And she ah. was really torn up about it. And you can sort of see it in the uh, in the video as well. It's the yeah, yeah, yeahs with maps on sound opinions. The Yeah, Yeah, yes on Sound Opinions, one of my favorite intros ever. Jim, what's next up for you?
1: Greg, I'm going to play what I think is one of the most powerful couple of seconds uh, in musical history, as well as one of the most complicated, Fight the Power by Public Enemy. Uh, first released as a single in 1989 and then appears the next year on uh, P.E.'s Fear of a Black planet uh album uh of course it was uh key to spike lee's do the right thing uh that's why chuck d wrote it and the group recorded it uh chuck paired uh public enemy with uh the great saxophone player Branford marsalis Mm -hmm. who i don't think they had each other in their rolodex before (laughs) spike lee makes the connection The complexity of the way this song starts, Uh, there are literally hundreds of samples put together by that incredible production team, the Bomb Squad, some of them completely unrecognizable. The... Single most recognizable and longest sample starts the song. It's a uh, civil rights activist and famous attorney, Thomas TNT Todd, with a little bit of uh, resonant, agitated speechifying that sets up the whole thing. And then in the first three bars, we get this incredible assault of, uh, you know, really the, 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 best and most complex and richest sounds that hip-hop can create um, they come from all over the place we have a vocal sample that happens six times Pump Me Up it's the title of a Trouble Funk song from 1982 but it's backwards mm-hmm. and you almost can't hear it uh, then you've got Branford coming in with the saxophone which is uh, this sort of triplet part that is, uh, you can barely hear because that's deep in the mix we have a couple of these vocal exclamations Chuck Chuck and that's from a a, a really deep cut, uh, the Dramatics in 1972. What you see is what you get, and then you get Chuck. Right? He always said, and I don't know if this means. Well, this means something to you because you're a basketball super fan. <laughs> you know, I don't follow sports, but I grew up in the New York, New Jersey. Area, So Chuck always said he wanted to sound like Marv Albert. Mm -hmm. It was this great, (laughs) resonant, uh, almost megaphone-voiced sports announcer, did basketball, right? right. right. Chuck, 1989, (laughs) the number of another summer. And then you hear, you know, Flavor Flip, get down, right? (laughs) Some of the funky drummer, right? James Brown's incredible drummers. Music hitting your heart because you ain't got no soul wow you know i mean this is just as good as as uh, as pop music as hip-hop mm-hmm. ever gets fight the power by public enemy
5: yet our best trained best educated best equipped best prepared troops refuse to fight matter of fact it's safe to say that they would rather switch than fight
1: Fight the Power by Public Enemy Greg, I am suddenly in the middle of my college years at NYU every <laughs>
0: time I hear that opening. Yeah, that, yeah, it's it's amazing, and it, it's interesting because my, my uh, next track is from that same era, uh, the NWA Straight Outta Compton record that came out in 1988. Uh, this showed up at a lot of parties uh, that you'd go to around yeah. that time. And you know, people talk about that record now and they go, oh, that was you know it's the lyrics. It was all that you know the transgressive nature of those lyrics and the you know fighting the cops on the streets and you know guys carrying guns to protect themselves and 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 to kill people who were threatening yeah. them, and oh, and it's ice cube it, at his ice cubius you know this the street poetry that we, we we hear, But people forget the reason this connected with those white kids in suburbia wasn't because, you know, the transgressive lyrics were kind of a thrill, but what really got him was the grooves. I mean, the rhythms on this record are Mm -hmm. ferocious. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think this, to me, was Dr. Dre establishing himself as, you know, he would become one of the great producers of the 90s and 2000s with that West Coast sound that he honed in N.W.A., and this is a great example of it. I remember this song in particular coming out, and it was at every party, every club you'd go to, and those first few notes—I mean, the dance floor would be filled up right away. Like, mm. people, it was like a call to arms. Like, get out there! You know, th- this song's gonna groove. Um, "Express Yourself" by uh, N.W.A. from the 1988 uh, "Straight Outta Compton" record—you um, know—has that uh, great off-kilter drum pattern that opens it up. That that scratching on the turntables, that whistle that comes out of nowhere. Where's that coming from? It's a little hook. <laughs> that funky bassline. And that great sample from the Charles Wright 1970 soul classic, Express Yourself, that is a killer combination. Tell me you can hear this song and not feel like you want to move. Uh, Express Yourself from N.W.A. on Sound Opinions.
4: Yo, man, it's a lot of brothers out there flaking and perpetrating, but scared to kick reality. Man, you've been doing all this dope producing. You ain't had a chance to show them what time it is. So what you want me to do? I'm expressing with my full capabilities And now I'm living in correctional facilities Cause some don't agree with how I do this I get straight and meditate like a Buddhist I'm dropping flavor, my behavior is hereditary But my technique is very necessary Blame it on Ice Cube Because said it gets funky When you got a subject and a predicate Add it on a dope beat And it'll make you think Some suckers just tickle me pink to my stomach Cause they don't flow like this one what? I won't hesitate to diss one or two before I'm through So don't try to sing this Some drop science Well I'm dropping English Even if yeller makes it a cappella. I still express yo I don't smoke weed or cess Cause it's known to give a brother brain damage And brain damage on the mic don't manage Nothing but making a sucker and you equal Don't be another sequel Express yourself Express yourself
0: Express yourself from N.W.A. from 1988, a classic from that era. Jim, what do you have as your last great beginning song?
1: Uh, Greg, I, I think if pressed for the ultimate uh, anthem of female empowerment, I would have to name, Oh, Bondage Up Yours! <laughs> with the exclamation point by the great English punk rock band X-Ray Specs. Kids, let me tell you, there was only one album that the band put out during its uh, initial explosion in the in the heyday of uh, the summer of hate, 76, 77, the punk explosion, uh, Germ-Free Adolescence. But it's a must-own. Every human being on this planet should own this album. Polystyrene is this diminutive, braces-wearing uh, English woman of African Descent, And, uh, you know, she has two crusades. It's not just feminism and respecting women. It's anti-consumerism. There's, there's a lot of college sophomore Marxism <laughs> on that album, right? She is attacking consumer culture. She does not want to be bound by uh, consumerism, spend your money all the time, or by any man's idea of how she should act and be and move in this world. And she— Kind of little girl-like coos at the beginning of the song. Some people think little girls should be seen and not heard. What does she say, Greg? Mm, G- <laughs> oh, give it bondage. to me. <laughs> give it to me. Oh, bondage, up yours. And then that saxophone, which is played by a 16-year-old bandmate, another woman, Susan Whippy. It just comes out. I mean, it's just like this, this is why I live for music like this. Oh, bondage, up yours by X-Ray Specs
5: some people think little girls should be seen and not heard but i think oh bondage up yours one two three four
1: Bind me, tie me, chain me to the wall. Uh Uh-uh. Polystyrene ain't having it. X-ray specs. Oh, bondage up yours.
0: Jim, I love the uh, expressiveness you put into that particular gospel sermon you just gave us about that song.
1: Polystyrene (laughs) deserves no less.
0: (laughs) The Gospel of Bondage from Polystyrene. I love it. As always, we want to hear from you, the listener. Is there a song you love from the very first note? One with a particularly uh, electrifying start? Call us at 888-859-1800 and leave us a message. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. When we come back, Jim and I are going to wrap up the show by sharing a couple of our favorite great endings songs, and I'm going to play another Desert Island Jukebox song. This one's uh, another mover, Jim. You're going to you're going to be on the dance floor for this song. I we're, guarantee we're it. We're
1: starting a new year with I'm a little bit you, of energy. We
0: we need that energy, man. That's in a minute on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX. Mm-hmm. Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Greg Cott. He's Jim DeRigatis. And in honor of the new year, we've been talking about great starts in music. What kicks off a song with a great introduction? And uh, we've given some good examples, I think. But uh, now we want to end the segment by talking about the songs that end strongest. What are the best outros? Which songs have the greatest endings? Jim, why don't you start us off? You know, Greg, I am going to go to a
1: band that uh, I don't talk about much because I wrote a book about them. And it's kind of like I live with it so long. The Same way you don't often talk about Wilco. Uh, The Flaming Lips have had so many eras in their long career. God, it's going on like 40 years now, right? (laughs) You know, the 80s indie rock period, the 90s alternative, uh, the big theatrical Flaming Lips of of recent uh, 20 years. Um, One of my favorite overlooked albums in their deep catalog is their fifth studio record 1992 hit to death in the future head um you know they were on warner brothers at the time it's almost a completely different band than it is today wayne Coyne's leading the group michael ivins is on bass everybody else is different actually some of the other players at that period would go on to uh mercury rev um the song the magician versus the headache is really typical of the lips at this era it is a twisted psychedelic inside out upside down pop song but the single most notable thing about it is the ending um One of the guitarists, I believe it's future uh, Mercury Rev player Jonathan Donahue, uh, you know, captures a couple of notes or some noise or just a squawk on the guitar on a repeat loop pedal driven through fuzz box and who knows how many other pedals, Mm -hmm. right? And uh, it kind of lock grooves, right, for a couple of seconds at the end of this song. The album continues. The song happens in the middle of the record. And then... That noise comes back for 29 (laughs) minutes and 16 seconds at the end of the record. All right. So, you know, this is the period, uh, 1992, um, where, where bands are doing this, right? You know, mm-hmm. Dinosaur Jr., uh, famously, uh, you know, Sonic Youth was big on this. Lee Ronaldo of Sonic Youth puts out a whole solo album that was only lock grooves. Mm-hmm. Vinyl was still their thing. So you had to get up after each of, like, 15 songs and move <laughs> the needle because it locked on every groove. You know, and, and there's just something... If you were kind of nodding out, you know, uh, uh, in the psychedelic haze uh, of listening to this Lips album, and then that came on, uh, you know, it, it's like the worst alarm clock you ever had that you can't turn off. Right, <laughs> right. So, this is The Flaming Lips The Magician versus the Headache on Sound making Opinion. Love
2: to the
1: now that we've destroyed everyone's day with that ending, (laughs) Flaming Lips, Magician versus the Headache, let's see what you got.
0: Jim, uh, I'm going to play a song that, uh, for many people, was um, made famous by the John Cusack movie High Fidelity. Yeah. Um, You know, it's this famous scene where he plays a record and a record store says he's going to play, he's going to sell a bunch of copies Mm -hmm. just by playing that record. Mm -hmm. Well, this is that record. And he focuses on the part of the song that I think is the best, which is that outro um the great band from the uk uh beta band uh made a number of really fine records in the late 90s early 2000s criminally uh overlooked band i think uh made a lot of great music um, that would sneak up on you and i think this this the song is a classic example of that it starts out kind of scratchy and lo-fi it almost feels like trip hoppers you know a lo-fi version of trip hop uh around this time And then from this unassuming beginning, it just slowly builds and builds and builds (laughs) and you feel things slowly shifting. Around three minutes in, this what you think is going to be the end of the song suddenly regains momentum. These guitar chords come in and when the horn finally joins in, now you've got something, oh wow, this is really turning into something cool. And then he adds these three lines of verse that basically just uh, turns into essentially a, a second chorus in the song. I will be your light. Those are the words you hear as the song mm. repeats over and over again. And uh, man, you are just like you know. You, you want to be at that rave, waving your hands in the air. And, <laughs> you know, I was. I it, was there. Yeah, it's it's a beautiful. I beautiful had the moment. pacifier and the glow stick. He yeah, actually, they actually did this in in a big park in in Chicago, opening for Radiohead. One of the greatest shows I ever saw. I, well, you were there too, I think. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, with the, the bass band the glow was stick. the opening band. Yeah. yeah. Here is the outro to dry the rain from the beta band on Sound Opinions.
1: The beta band, Dry the Rain. Greg, you are absolutely right. One of the best uh, songs and particular endings of all time.
5: I tell you, little buddy, this whole island is bewitched. remember we were shipwrecked
1: together as often as possible here on sound opinions we like to take a trip to the desert island that sounds really good on this chilly
0: winter mm-hmm. day greg yeah we pop a quarter in the jukebox we play you a song we can't live without it's your turn so i'm going to play a song that is a product of some serendipity this week this is a delivered by an artist that i haven't thought about in a number of years actually and all of a sudden, his name came up twice in the same week. And I go, it's time to play ah, yeah. some of this guy's music. I love music. those
1: coincidences. Yeah.
0: And it started out with a conversation with a musician that I had in which the name emerged. And we realized we had a mutual appreciation of this particular artist. And then I heard the Tom Tom Club song, Genius of Love, just by happenstance mm. on the radio. <laughs> a song that they recorded in 1981. And it came on and it mentioned this artist's name again. In fact, my favorite part of the song, I realized then, was the part where this artist's name is mentioned. Now, the song drops a lot of names. Smokey Robinson, Bob Marley, James Brown. But when they get to the part where um, Tina Weymouth says, Bohannon, 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 (laughs) that's the part that I'm like... That's cool, and and at first when you heard the song in 1981, I'm, I guarantee you a large proportion of Talking Heads and Tom Tom Club's audience at the time had no idea who Bohannon mm-hmm. was. Yeah. He was sort of a second-tier funk artist uh, of the 70s and 80s uh, who made a lot of records that played well in the clubs but weren't really huge hits. Well, I'm here to say Hamilton Bohannon was one of those unsung (laughs) geniuses of the 70s. He was a Motown drummer, touring behind uh, Stevie Wonder, Marvin Gaye, all the big acts of the time, and then started his own solo career, which was uh, quite brilliant in in its own way. Uh, The albums were a little inconsistent, but the singles were amazing. Drummer... Uh, great bands, guitar players. On this song, you're going to hear an amazing voice. This is a vocalist that he worked with and produced her records, Carolyn Crawford. Mm. She blows away this song. Uh, but I love it. I said, you know, I, I wanted to play the Tom, Tom Club song, but I thought, damn, you know, let's play some Bohannon. Go we to need the source. We yeah. some yeah. on Sound Opinions. Uh, here's what Bohannon's all about. Let's start the dance from 1978 by Hamilton Bohannon on Sound Opinions.
1: Good Desert Island jukebox picked by Greg Cott. Let's start the dance by
0: Hamilton Bohannon. Greg, what do we have on the show next week? Jim, next week we have an in-depth interview with Klaus Vorman. And if you haven't heard that name, uh, does uh, collaborations with the Beatles on albums like Revolver and George Harrison on All Things Must Pass, Ring a Bell? Yeah, that guy. He played on all those records. That guy. And he's got a fascinating story. Download Sound Opinions
1: wherever you get your podcast thingies. Thanks, as always, to our loyal crew, Brendan Banisak, Alex Claiborne, Iona Contreras, and Andrew Gill.
0: opinions, everyone's a critic. So give us a call on our hotline, 888-859-1800.
3: New messages.
0: This is Sam calling from Austin. I just got through listening to the Malcolm Gladwell episode, which I rather enjoyed. And in reference to your debate over what's a critic versus what's a reviewer, uh, the S.F. writer Spider Robinson once observed that a critic is somebody who tells you whether a piece of work is capital A art, and a reviewer is somebody who tells you whether it's any good to listen to or read. I've always thought that was a very useful distinction and kept it in mind.
3: This is Kathy from Chicago. During your show about duets, we were hoping that you might play John Prine and Iris Dement in spite of ourselves. In spite of ourselves,
1: we'll end up sitting on a rainbow Against all odds, honey, we're the big door prize We're gonna spike our noses right off of our faces There won't be nothing but big old hearts
3: that's just such a great song, the answering back and forth of the two people and you hear their personalities. It's just a wonderful song. Thank you. Love your show. Bye. Hi, this is Patrick in Springfield, Missouri. Uh, I wanted to just give you one of my favorite duets that I've rediscovered lately. I believe it's from 1994. It is George Jones and B.B. King doing a cover of the song Patches. By Clarence Carter, and boy, it is a doozy.
5: I'm depending on your son to
2: pull the family through. My son, it's up to you. Uh,
3: I don't know, I just can't get it out of my head. It's I don't know if it's good or bad or just wacky or what, but it is weird. And it's definitely worth a listen. Anyway, thank you very much. I appreciate it. And I enjoyed your show. And I uh, look forward to hearing the next one.
0: My name is Jenny. I'm from Brooklyn. I'm calling about the last week's show on um, singing couples. My favorite singing couple is Tom Petty and um,
4: DB Nick's record of uh, Don't Drag My Heart Around.
2: Jenny!
0: It remind me of a, a someone that I had, um,
2: that I didn't get along with,
3: uh, and I felt the same way as the, those people in the song.
2: song in
3: Hi guys, this is Margie from Chicago, and I just listened to your show on duets. It checked all the boxes, especially Sonny and Cher and the Jayhawks, blues, some of my favorite songs only one that I probably would have added was X um, hearing John Doe and Exine Cervanka singing Fourth of July
2: their
3: blend is so unique and um, anyway I just would have added that thanks for all you do love your show no
1: more messages to share your opinions on sound opinions call 888-859-1800 we'll be back next week on sound opinions from WBEZ Chicago and distributed by PRX lost out of town, in a dark apartment.
2: we gave up trying